You are listening to weekly messages from Austin Christian Fellowship. For more information about ACF, visit acfellowship.org. Good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing today? Are you well? Can we uh, thank our worship team for leading us into God's presence? If I don't have the pleasure of knowing you yet, my name is Will Davis Jr. Thanks for coming to ACF. I want to greet all of you guys online who are worshiping with us as well. We love you guys being a part of this, and we'd love to see you here in the house. It is a great weekend. Rain in Austin, Texas. Um, uh, so blessing. It's just so great. And I just was watching you guys here in the house during worship, that last song specifically. Just thanks for showing up, and thanks for singing. Um, Singing is as old as time. It's a means. I think one of the languages of heaven is music. And you guys participating in that corporately is so powerful and so pleasing to God. And it was just fun to watch. I should have been singing, but I was watching y'all instead. Um, kind of do that. Kind of proud pastor moment. Um, if you don't have lunch plans, and this is for you guys this line online as well, 1 o'clock in our prayer barn up the hill, we're having a meet and greet. Uh, with several of us in ACF leadership and, in, and anybody who wants to know more about our church. It's informal, lasts about an hour. There's child care provided for it. And a lot of fun, just get to know the church, and people tend to connect after these things. Someone asked me yesterday, with all the great internet exposure to the great teaching and the great churches on the planet, how's it affected the church? I was like, well, it's, you know, anybody like me, your competition is the best preachers in America and the best churches in America, the best worship programs in America. So what keeps people is relationship. People stay because they have friends. And so that's why we do things like meet and greets. That's why we launch a small group campaign like we're doing today. Because people stay in church. If you're online, forgive me, and all you do is online church, your fire is going to go out at some point. You just need the community. You need Those logs need to be together to stay hot. You pull a log out of a fire, it goes out eventually. So that's why we do community. So see you at the meet and greet at 1 o'clock. Come back and hopefully be there for that. And I want to get this last thing in before I um, forget about it at the end of the service because we're going to be in a moment. I don't want to forget it. Uh, we had, you, the scripture says, when a rich man walks into your church and you honor him and a poor man walks into your church and you dishonor him, you've got it backwards. You need to elevate the poor and ask the rich to do so. Uh, we have a booth outside the table, outside, we have a table on the patio outside in honor of a homeless man, Jason Hawk, who attended here for about a year. Um, Jason was notorious because his antics at 620 and 2022 weren't always the best. Um, he was a veteran, he had significant issues, but he got befriended by some ACFers and started attending here and was a delight when he was here. And... Um, he got tickled one day in church because I mentioned a cat who was having some issues, and Jason thought that was the funniest thing he'd ever heard. And one of my greatest joys is watching this homeless man laugh so hard in church he had to leave because he was so tickled. Um, he just got, he couldn't contain himself. He thought it was the funniest thing he'd ever heard. He passed away this week. His liver finally failed, gave up, and he's not homeless anymore. Jason knew Jesus. He had a hard life, and he didn't always make good choices. But when he walks in, when he walked in, you honored him, church. You didn't treat him like a homeless guy. You treat him like royalty. We're writing notes to his family, memories of Jason on the patio. I don't usually talk about this kind of thing after services, but I want, it's, he's 
we need to honor Jason. So you'll see the patio set up afterwards. Okay, if you need a Bible, will you raise your hand? Uh, we have Bibles coming down the aisles in actually the hands of people. They're not levitating. Um, and I want you to take a copy of Scripture and turn to Le- two passages, Leviticus 19 and 1 Peter chapter 1. Please find this in Scriptures. I want you to have one. We begin a new series today called Sacred. Been working on this one since about last spring. Here we go. It's our fall small group emphasis and study. We're going to be in the topic of holiness and sacredness until October, the end of October. Uh, before I go any further, let me pray. Lord, thank you for the morning. Uh, we're here. We're serious. We mean business. I pray Acts chapter 10 before you, God. We are all here in the presence of God, ready to hear whatever it is you say to us. We're going to do it. So speak, Lord, your servants are listening. I bless my friends online, moving their houses, their homes, their cars, wherever they are, their cubicles later this week. Bless them, and may they feel your power of your presence as well. Uh, move on us, God. Teach us what this means. Change, as Chris prayed this morning, may the ground shift in ACF because of the topic we're jumping into right now. And we pray this in your name, amen. So I want you to, again, Leviticus 19, 1 Peter chapter 1. I want you to think about what comes to mind when you hear the word sacred. I'll be honest with you. I was thinking about driving in this morning. I, I thought old. Uh, Susie and I were in with some other people, the painted churches of Texas yesterday, um, just stunning Catholic churches in Fayette County, 120 years old to 160 years old, stunning churches. And you walk in, and a couple of them, you just feel the need to go, shh, be real quiet. And that makes me think of sacred. Um, Sacred conjures up the idea of something holy, something pure, something religiously donated, dedicated. What I don't often think of when I think of sacred is me. No offense, or you. But that's exactly what the scripture says sacred is, is you and me. Now get, put that in your hat and put it on. If you're a follower of Jesus, big if, but if you're a follower of Jesus, God says you're sacred. Now, okay, that's a trip. So what we're going to do the next eight weeks is try to close the gap between how God sees us and how we see us. Because the scripture says you're a saint. These churches we were in yesterday are all named after a saint. And my name isn't on there. But when the scriptures say to the saints in Corinth, Corinth was a church torn apart by conflict and all kinds of crazy sin. And Paul knew that and says, you're saints. You better start acting like it. So what I want to do in the coming weeks with you is is shift our thinking about how, what it means to be a follower of Jesus and what holiness is, what it means to be sacred, set apart, so that our behavior follows. Um, this is where I spent my summer studying and praying on this topic, and I got to tell you, it was a 
a humbling summer. So just to build the case with you, let's go to, first of all, Leviticus chapter 19. First two verses. Enemies of God and enemies of God's word try to take scriptures like Leviticus and segregate them as only being for the priestly class because it's the Levitical code, the tribe of Levi, the, the Levitical, Levitical priests. But all the Levites did was instruct the people on how to live. There's teachings in Leviticus that certain trends and culture today don't align with. And so they try to say, well, Leviticus is just for the priest. It doesn't apply to the average person. It's not true. It's an outright lie. You'll see it in verse 1 and 2 of Leviticus 19 when it says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to all the congregation. What does that include? Pretty much all the congregation. Of the sons of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy. For I, the Lord your God, am holy. Well, there's a buzzkill. So the standard Israel for you is not the nation next to you. The standard Israel is not the tribe that's over here that's offering your sons and daughters in the fire for sacrifice or they have um, sexual emblems dotting their landscape that they worship and participate in. They're not the standard. This that worships the God of agriculture and this that worships the God of rain and the God, they're not the standard. I'm holy, you're my people, so you be holy. That was the call to the nation of Israel. And Moses reminded them is this, as they were going in now to take the land and they were gonna be casting out these nations and they were gonna be in, inheriting cities with all this pagan worship and all these terrible things, horrific things, child sacrifice, other things, temple prostitution, just out of control. And God says, you will not act that way. Because you are my people, called by my name, and my people are not going to look like everybody else. So jump in your Bible all the way to 1 Peter, and here's this disciple of Jesus turned apostle, writing to a group of outcasts scattered throughout Asia in persecution. And he says in verse 13 of chapter 1, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lust, which you were yours in your ignorance. But here you go. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all your behavior. And he quotes Leviticus 19, verse 16, Because it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. So there's Peter applying the same scripture to the people of God in the New Testament. Holiness goes hand in hand with the faith of following Jesus. Now some of you may find that as really good news. Some of you may find that as really terrifying news. I tend to be on the terrifying side. Some of you may find it confusing because you have no idea what holiness means. Well again, our goal the coming weeks starting today is to Get this into our DNA. Bottom line, guys, it's really good news. It'll create a bit of attention. 
but it's really good news. So let me offer up some definitions. Holiness. What does it mean to be holy? When God says, be holy, what's that mean? First definition, which is used mostly in reference to God or the things of God, is that which is pure, that which is without imperfection, or great church word, that which is sanctified. God is not sanctified because that's the, the process of going from being unholy to being holy. God is pure, and God is without imperfection by nature. God is completely distinct in all the universe of all the things, because he created everything else. But God in his nature doesn't have an imperfection. So when the Isaiah 6, the heavens open, and they're singing, holy, 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 and then you open the heavens curtains again in Revelation chapter 4, and they're singing, holy, 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 it's because that's who God is. Perfect, 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 pure, 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 without stain, without stain, without stain, set apart, set apart, set apart, nothing like you, nothing like you, nothing like you. So when used of God, it's the reference to this being that doesn't have any imperfection at all, which is hard for me to get my brain around. The word saints in Scripture is the word hagias, um, saint hagias, which means nothing more than holy one. And again, it's not used in reference to certain select individuals throughout history. It's used of Christians, to the saints in Ephesus, to the saints in Austin. It's you and me. It's humbling. Holiness is impossible for humans. And yet God said, be holy. But you can't go make your, you can't go white knuckle it and try real hard to be holy. It isn't because of the, the Genesis 3 nature of sin in us, holiness is absolutely impossible to a human on their own, on their own. That's where sanctification comes in. Something has to make you holy. Also, you need to know, if anybody in the room happens to be interested in going to heaven, holiness is required for heaven. Perfection is required for heaven. So again, if you don't have that on your own, no religion can get you there. No behavior, no morality, because that's all external. The problem is internal. We're born unholy, and no behavior can change that. So next week, I'm going to talk about how Jesus bridges the gap between our unholiness and God's holiness so we can get to heaven. It's a real important message for people who are not Christians or want to know what it means to get into how you become a person of faith and get into heaven. Very important message next week. and Tell your friends about it. So holiness, first of all, is a reference to those, that being in the world who's without sin, without imperfection, and also the people that God has made that way through the process of sanctification. The second definition is to be set apart. This is more about us. God is also set apart. God is also distinct because he doesn't have any sin and he's unique in his existence. But in reference to the people of God, it means to be set apart, to be distinct, to be dedicated. 
I saw a license plate driving down the road yesterday. I was driving the road and I saw a license plate that said, I'm all in. And I kind of wanted to pull over and go, what? Into what? Because I love that, but what, what are you all into? But it's a great summary of what dedicated or holy means for a person. It means you're all in. It means this is not a toe in the water kind of thing. It's not a trial. It's not a when it's convenient. And it doesn't matter. I'm not talking about, it's about faith. I'm talking about whatever. If to be, you can be set apart in the idea of holiness to all kinds of things. It's really what you give your best to. It's really what you wake up at night thinking about. It's what you give your money to. It's what you give your time to. It's what you give your effort and energy to. And it's, we have all kinds of things that do that. But in scriptural language, to be holy is to be set apart, dedicated to, all in, to the cause of Christ. So that the people look at you like the Israelites and there's no, there's no blending in. We don't blend. That's what it means to be holy. So um, my son-in-law, Kenton, who taught this summer, talked about his effort to run a 50K and the training involved in that and the dedication involved in that. So my other son-in-law, David, who's twice apparently as crazy as Kenton is, finished a 100-miler yesterday. Como se dice stupid in Espanol. That's how you do that right there. Started at 8 a.m. Friday morning and finished at 2 p.m. yesterday. 30 hours in, in steamboat at altitude. To watch David train for this has been stunning. Um, he would show up, we saw him not a few, months, a few weeks ago in Colorado. He showed up late in the day and said, I gotta go 20 miles, I'll be back in a little bit. It's four o'clock in the afternoon, I gotta go run 20, I'll be back. His diet, Kenton talked about this, his diet, his sleep habits, his work habits, everything was focused on I'm going to run 100 miles. And there, he had to run through the night. And all the pain and all the effort of that, but he did, he got it done. But it didn't come without cost. That's what it means to be dedicated to something. Now, that's not an illustration I can relate to. So let's talk about football season. Because all of us this time of year are dedicated to a team and we'll cheer, and we'll spend money, and we'll stay up late, and we'll watch games, and we'll go to tailgates. Some of you are dedicated to getting your kids into best select sports, and you'll do whatever it takes to give them the best run they can while they're playing sports. Some of you are dedicated to being really good at something yourself, and we, and we sacrifice for it, and we put money into it, and we take hits for it because it means the world to us. And none of that is wrong, friends, but they're all less than examples of what Jesus and God call us to in being holy and that it is to get our best. We are to be set apart for God and to God. Above any, we're not supposed to blend. This is why it's been so humbling to me this summer to study this. So some scriptures on holiness. Uh, John 17, 17, the high priestly prayer of Jesus, sanctify them. There's that word. Sanctification is the process of being made holy. 
Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. So God, use, he's praying for us. Use your word to make my people holy. The word does that. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 11. I want to encourage you to find 1 Corinthians 6 and read 9 and 10. It's great. I'm not going to read 9 and 10. I want you to read it to yourself because it's spicy. It simply says, hey, here are the people who are not going to see the kingdom. And he lists this long list of sins. Some of which are debated today as to if they're still sin or not. But he goes from gossips to murderers to other things. And then he says in verse 11, and that's what some of you were. But you've been washed, you've been sanctified, you've been justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. You've been made holy. You don't act that way anymore. Everybody in the church is recovering something. We've all got a story. But the point is, you know, today in the church, we're really good at saying, no one condemns you, but we're not good at saying, go and sin no more. And that's part of no one condemns you, is go and sin no more. It's called to be holy. Hebrews 12, this is a humbling one. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one can see the Lord. Holiness is a requirement if you're going to know the Lord. So I have this recurring dream. It's, I think I need to go sit in a counselor's office and talk about this. But it's this dream that I've missed a class my senior year of high school. Do anybody here have the dream? Yeah, it's, it's it, weirdly, it's always at Westlake High School. I, didn't, I went to Austin High, but it's at Westlake. I never can find the class because I don't know my way around Westlake. And I wake up and it's like the last semester. I've got a paper due and a final. And I'm like, I'm going to fail. And I had this recurring dream. I, I have it all the time where I'm like, oh my gosh, I've missed the class all semester. I'm not going to graduate. And I wake up and go, Phew. so glad that's not true. That's kind of how I felt about this thing called holiness. It's like I'm kind of cruising through my life and there's this expectation of me that I've kind of been ignoring. That I'm going to wake up, but I'm going to find out it's not a dream. It's real. So that actually happened to a really great leader of the nation of Israel, the nation of Judah, named Josiah. He became king when he was eight years old. Had great counselors around him. But by the time he's 20, he's a fiery young man for God, leading the nation of Judah in this revival. And they were rebuilding a temple. This tells you how far from God they'd gotten. And while they were cleaning out the temple, they found Deuteronomy. The kings were actually supposed to write their own copy of the law and know it and memorize it, and they'd not been doing this. The kings, when they became kings, were supposed to write their own copy of all the law in front of the priests and have it memorized so they knew how to lead, and they'd quit doing this practice. And so Josiah is sitting there one day, and this priest walks in looking rather tepid, yellow, and he says, "Uh uh-oh, what's up? And he says, I need to read something to you. And he reads him Deuteronomy. And what happens is Josiah realizes there's a class he's been missing all semester. Second Kings 22:11 says, "When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes, which is a sign of grief. And the king commanded, "Go inquire the Lord for me and for the people of, 
um, the people, for all Judah, concerning the words of this book which has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us, because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to what's written in there. So they were supposed to do Passover. They were supposed to do the Feast of Booths. They were supposed to be giving percentages of their, of their money to the temple, et cetera, et cetera. And he reads this law, and Deuteronomy is so clear. says, if you do this, I'm going to bless you. But if you don't do this, I'm going to judge you. And he's a, oh, dear, we've been skipping class all semester. And he says, go find a priest and tell me what, what to do because we're in serious trouble because... And he, doesn't, he says, our fathers didn't teach me, but I'm the king, and I didn't know. And it's on me. And so they began to build back into the nation of Judah the practices God expected of his people. You don't blend in. You look different from everybody else. I'm just wondering... You guys online and you guys in the room here, if some of you are having a, oh my gosh, I've been skipping class moment right now. The people of God are supposed to be different. It's good. It's not bad. It's good different. So where does God expect holiness? Well, let me not leave you in suspense. He expects holiness in your thoughts. About him, about yourself, about others. What do you think? And these are topics we'll venture into some of them more in the coming weeks. He expects holiness in your words. Ouch. What you say about him, about others, about leaders, about neighbors, jokes you tell. He expects holiness in our entertainment. I found out about a year ago it's awfully hard to be a fan of Yellowstone and be holy. Just, I love Yellowstone. I can't watch it and be holy. A lot of shows like that. A lot of binging network Netflix shows that are not consistent with holiness for me. For me. Not telling you what to watch, but for me, can't do it. He expects holiness in our, well, let's go back to entertainment. I mean, just think about what we, don't bring any abomination into your house. Really? What about what we bring in through TV? He expects holiness in our relationships. The way we treat people, the way we listen, the way we care, the way we treat people like Jason. Expects holiness in our sexuality. There's a biblical code, non-negotiable. That's why God called his people in Israel to be so distinct. Don't even marry people from other nations because they're going to lead you astray. Sexuality, I don't care what culture is saying. God has a clear code for sexuality. And our sex. Hebrews says, let the marriage bed be pure, holy. We've just bailed on the sexual purity thing in the church. Anything goes. He expects holiness in our finances. Our money should honor God. 
how we spend it, how we give it. It should reflect your checkbook, your bank account should reflect a commitment to the kingdom of God. Expects holiness in our time. Serving. Being set apart. Sabbath. Worship. And in case I missed it, expects holiness in everything else. Be holy as I am holy. See, there's no, there's no place that God isn't holy, so they expect that of us. So if I miss an area, just to you know, apply it there. Now let me flip this because this sounds a bit heavy and, and negative, and I want to tell you why this is so good as I wrap this up. Let me tell you the benefits of holiness. Other than you get to go to heaven, as if that's not enough. Number one, I love this, it frees your conscience. If you're tired of walking around feeling guilty all the time, try holiness. A friend of mine said to me, this guy's in heaven now, said to me years ago, he gave up lying long ago because he didn't have to remember what he had said before. If you always tell the truth, you don't have to remember what you said. Just tell the truth because the truth doesn't change. But if you're lying, you've got to remember the lie. If you're tired of feeling guilty, try holiness. Nothing to apologize for, nothing to be ashamed of, nothing to hide, nothing to brush another time. I'm just, hey, if I'm holy, here I am. Kind of boring. Set apart. Secondly, it produces joy to be walking with God. So which are you? Genesis chapter 2, enjoying the presence of God, enjoying God in the fellowship, or Genesis chapter 3 when you're hiding and making fig leaves? See, Genesis 3 is not what God wanted. It's that romance of Genesis 1 and 2. So when you're not having to hide from God, you've got joy. Third, big one, it produces authority. It is awfully hard to say, cancer be gone in Jesus' name if you're having an affair. It's awfully hard to deal with your kids' transgender issues if you're walking in sin and you have no authority to speak to them because you've got nothing in your life to share with them. It's awfully hard to call on God to bring healing into your life and favor into your life and to bless your business and to bless your family when you're not giving God the little things he expects, the tithe, the quiet time, the Sabbath. You're not practicing Sabbath. Don't, God, don't ask God to bless your business if you're not practicing Sabbath because you're stealing a day of the week from him. You're stealing from God. So why would he bless your business? See, authority comes with holiness. Obey and be blessed is the theme of Deuteronomy. It also says disobey and be cursed. So if you want to have authority, some of you are like, why are my prayers being answered? Well, look at your life. If you're going to have authority to call people to repent and to pray and have heaven move and to expect God to work, then you've got to look at your life and say, I can't, I've, I've lost my, my moral right to stand here before God and ask for anything because of how I'm living. So maybe I need to get my ducks in a row and then cry out to God to move because I don't have the right to say cancer be gone when I'm cheating. It gives you authority. And lack of holiness erodes authority. And finally, it pleases God. That's the best reason of all. Be holy as I'm holy. If, if we're chasing after God, holiness is going to come out of us. And we're going to be joyful and fruitful. And he just makes God so happy. 
So that's where we're going in the coming weeks. We're going to talk about the Civil War, Romans 7. I love this passage where Paul said, what I want to do, I don't do. Things I shouldn't do, I do. I'm so glad it's in the Bible. If Paul struggled with it, I'm there. We'll talk about what it looks like in our lives on a regular basis and how to get there. And, and again, the, the benefit of it. But today, I just want to lead you in a prayer to see if we're willing to embrace this call. And you guys are in small groups. You can, it's not too late to jump in. You'll be studying this message. We have a group that's going to take the messages and write them in small group language. But Julie Washington did something really cool this summer. She led a prayer in one of the messages she did, and I thought it'd be a great way to end that today. So I'm going to put a prayer on the screen, and Megan's going to um, kind of just give us a moment here. But I want to lead you in a prayer for holiness. You guys online, I want to lead you in it as well. This kind of says it all. And I'm going to say it, and I want you to say it out loud. And if you don't want to, we don't make you do anything here. If you don't want to say it, you don't have to. But I want to, if you're in, I want you to say this prayer loud. I'll do it phrase by phrase. Because you're going to see, as I have found this summer studying this, there's a gap in my life between what God expects and what I am. And it's something as simple as watching Yellowstone. Or drinking too much. Or a little dabbling in porn now and then. Or dropping an occasional F-bomb because you feel like it. See, we're not supposed to look like the nations. And there's bigger things than that, but there's little things too. The weekend at Vegas where you stay sober when everybody else is not. The dedicating Sunday to church above everything else. Got all kinds of implications. So this is where we're going the coming eight weeks. Hope you'll be in with us. So let me read this a phrase at a time. And when I pause, just join in with me. You're, I see some of you taking pictures. Take a picture of this. It's great if you want to. As I say it, if you're in, just say it out loud as well. Lord Jesus, I surrender my life for your will. Make me holy as you are holy. Scour every corner of my heart with your wonderful Holy Spirit. And chase out anything that does not look like you. Hmm. Help me to hate sin, to love your word, and to love prayer. Please take complete control of my thoughts. My words, my entertainment, my relationships, my sexuality, my finances, my time, and everything else. I want to be holy and fully set apart for you. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Father, see this moment right now. That's a prayer, Lord. 
forgive us. I feel like Josiah. Forgive us for just ignoring, for waking up and going, oh, we've been skipping class and we're still accountable. You still expect us to be holy. Lord, I pray this will be great news for our church. And because of it's going to affect us, I pray it'll be great news for the schools we attend, the clubs we play in, and the sports teams we're on, and the places we work, and the neighborhoods we live in, because holiness is a blessing to everyone around it. So as we kind of commit to being unblended, unmixed, may that fruit and that joy and that authority really bless the nations around us. That's what Israel is supposed to be, a blessing to the nations because of its relationship with God. It's what the church is to be. We can't if we blend. So I pray, Lord, if you'll translate this message to everybody online and everybody in the room on what it means to them, not what it means to me, what it means to them, where they need to start. I know where I need to start. But God, you've heard us. Make us holy. I pray for our small groups as they jump into this topic this week that they'll find so much traction on this and get so practical and encouraging each other in this great endeavor. We love you and we commit this day today to you and the coming weeks. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys online, we love you. Hope to see you next week.